Today's a very serious show. Um, first of all, I want to go through the maths and I want to show you the maths of how Bitcoin goes from where we are today to 74,347 in about 84 days. It's not 85 days, it's 84 days. Um, I want to show you the maths behind it because I think it's actually quite fascinating and it's actually very, very, very realistic. Probably the most compelling case that I've seen for a price prediction in a, in a hell of a long time. Then I want to talk about this. I want to talk about Joe Biden arriving in Israel earlier today. We saw images of Joe Biden arriving in, in Israel. So I want to show you why I believe that this may be the beginning of World War III. I think we may be in a perfect, perfect, perfect storm for the beginning of World War III and ultimately for probably the demise or the decline of the United States as a superpower. We're going to talk about that uh, today on the show. So as you can see, a very serious show. Then I'm going to show you some good news, some bad news and some fake news. For XRP, we're going to talk about that. I want to talk to you about the Phantom hack. I want to talk to you about a couple of other altcoins. And then at the very, very, very end of the show, if we get to our target of 1,100 likes, I'm going to be giving away free tokens in an amazing launch that actually happens tomorrow. So serious show, fun show, lots to do, lots to get through. Let's go, guys. I see a lot of you here are saying present. You're present on the new channel. Congratulations. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let me know that you are present. If you are here, smash the like button because, and if you haven't already subscribed, join the, let's see how many subscribers we have today, 83,140 subscribers that have already subscribed. Remember, we're not live anymore on the old channel. I know there are a couple of people who just don't get that. In fact, let me be more specific. There are 173 people waiting in the old channel, even though we put up an amazing thumbnail to say, we don't broadcast here. We're live on the new crypto banter channel link in the description. So if you are here, welcome. And if you are, haven't yet subscribed to this, to the new channel, subscribe to the new channel because this is where all the content is going to be moving to over a period of time. And there's a lot of content. Today is actually, I think, one of the, the shows that I've been most excited to do for a long, long, long time. I'll tell you why it's, I'm so excited to do the show. Because I don't believe in price predictions. I think... People who make price predictions, you're sure to, 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 to get them wrong. I like price predictions when they're filled with maths. And I'm going to show you the maths behind how Bitcoin actually does go to $74,347 in the next 84 days. I'm going to actually show you the maths behind it. Um, I also want to talk about where we are in the market cycle, because there seems to be like a battle now between the halving and the ETF. And we're going to talk about the battle of the halving versus the ETF, because Regardless of why, where you think we are in the market cycle, right now, there is a battle. The battle is a, a very strong battle. The halving cycle says that the, that the price of Bitcoin is going to go down. The ETF cycle says the price of Bitcoin is going to go up. And we're going to need to understand which side of the fence do you sit on and, and whether or not you agree with any of the market cycles. Uh, and then, as I said, at the very end of the show, uh, I want to give away, only if we get over 1,100 likes, I'm going to give away uh, $250 tokens to to a new launch which i think is going to do like a 10 or 20 or maybe even 30x tomorrow and you're going to win them today and you're going to get your tokens today basically you're going to get, going to get your tokens today so let's go we've got a big show uh excited to be here let's quickly look at the bubbles just to see where we're at um i think it's another in the last hour 
pretty much another red day. Let's see if, if, if anything's broken, if our researchers have seen anything in the news group. Um, and the last thing we saw was the dot layoffs, which I, which I actually saw earlier. Anyway, let's look at where we are today. We're at 28,369. We are over the 200-week moving average, as you can see, for the first time in... Well, we closed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This one you could argue closed on the line. I mean, eight, nine. So we spent nine weeks under the 200-week moving average, which is the most significant um, uh, index for the, 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 the most significant trend indicator for Bitcoin. And it looks like if we can hold this until Sunday, we may, may, may actually close. If we stay where we are now, we'll just, just, just close over the 200-week moving average. And we will um, uh, change the momentum of where Bitcoin has been. And it does feel like what's been happening is that we've been preparing for a move. So it's like we've been in this choppy cycle. This choppy cycle has been boring. It's been tough because it's been choppy and it's been down, down and choppy at the same time. And so now what it feels like is that we've shaken out all the, the tourists. Anyone that was here for, for a good time, anyone that was here to make quick money, those people are now uh, completely out. And it feels like the boredom has shaken, the, shaken those people out. And now we're preparing for a move. And the data actually shows exactly that. So if you look at the data, this is a chart of the Bitcoin long-term holders and the Bitcoin short-term holders. And what you're seeing is really it's just a transfer of coins between Bitcoin long-term holders, and by the way, the long-term holders now own the majority of the supply of Bitcoin, and the Bitcoin short-term holders. They were all flushed out. They came here in the peak, and they've all been flushed out, um, and the coins have actually been transferred into the hands that we want them in for the big move. Because you can't have a big move if the tourists are, are, in, are, are in Bitcoin. If this, when tourists arrive, they're here just to make money. They don't believe in the thesis behind Bitcoin. What's happened is that they've now transferred their coins into the long-term holders' hands, and now we're almost ready for, for, for this, this massive move. And I think I agree with Rect Capital when he says we are in the early, early, early stages of, of, of the bull market. He says, look, we're, we're in the early stages of, of, of the bull market. You can see we've broken through the trend line, and we're consolidating. And now you've got to ask yourself a question. What is your thesis for the bull market? Is your thesis for the bull market... Now, the, the halving cycle, or is your thesis for the bull market now the ETF, or are you just combining the two and saying it's the halving cycle and the ETF? Because there's a big difference between the halving cycle thesis and the ETF thesis. Either way, we're going up, and later on, I'm going to show you what the ETF thesis actually takes us up to and why we actually go up to 74,347, okay? But you need to decide now whether or not you're a halving cycle man or woman, or whether or scarecrow, or whether you are a ETF theory, because if you look at the halving cycle, the halving cycle actually says that we are now 180 days away from the Bitcoin halving. At this point, Bitcoin retraced 25% in 2015 and 2016, 38% in 2019, and if history repeats itself, we are going down another 30% this year. Okay, that is what the halving cycle actually says. So you're going to choose whether you buy the halving cycle. I'm not a huge fan of the halving cycle. I'll tell you why I'm not a huge fan of the halving cycle. Because I think the data for the halving cycle is completely incomplete. So you, how many halvings have we had? We had the first halving, which was from 50 coins mined per block to 25 coins mined per block. That was the first halving. 
Then we had another halving from 25 to 12 and a half, and then 12 and a half to 6.25. So we had like three halvings. The first halving was 2016. So the, the year before the halving was 2015. In 2015, there was hardly anywhere to buy crypto. There was zero liquidity. And so you can't really say that that's a real market cycle. If you look at, at, at the charts here, like, yes, there is charts and yes, there was data, but you can't compare a market that hardly even existed with no liquidity and no exchanges to one where there was much more liquidity and now a whole lot of liquidity. You can't take the assumption that the market structure is the same here as it was here and here. And so that's why I'm not the biggest fan of the halving cycle. I just think that even though a lot of very smart people are putting their money on the halving cycle, and the halving cycle right now has actually proven to be quite a reliable, we are following previous halving cycle. It has actually proven to be really, really, really reliable. I'm not a big fan of it because the data is skewed. We've only got two real subsets of data. The subsets of data are 2019 and now where we are today, which is 2023. So you've actually got like one set of data, if because 2015, I, I mean, that data is, is, is in my mind useless. Not useless, but just not great. And so we've got this, the 2019 and 2023. But look, as I said, you can't brush off the halving cycle theory because we are following the same, you know, like if you look at the fractals, y- you can't argue. Like this does look, you know, very similar to what happened here. And it does look like it's playing out very similar to what's happening here. And right now, right now, this has been the most reliable thing. But as I say, here, the market was completely imperfect. Here, we had a, a reasonable market. Here, we've got a reasonable market. So I think that these two are the only data sets. Look, be that as it may, we are now 181 days away from the halving. And if the halving cycle is correct, we could get a 30% retrace from current prices, which could take Bitcoin down to to uh, to $20,000. Now, Ben Cowan, who does really, really, really believe in the halving cycle, he says, well, um, Bitcoin has fallen below its bull market support band every August and September pre-halving, pre in, in the pre-halving year. It usually happens because the SPX tends to, tends to correct. So he's also, he's, he's also always talking about the pre-halving year. And you can see the pattern. So that, that's the first halving cycle, which again, happened very quickly because there was no liquidity in the market. That's the second halving cycle. You can see, about um, uh, you see, so, so we, we go we go down first before we go up, and then you go into the third and fourth and fifth uh, uh, market cycles. So that is what the halving cycle theory says. If you believe in the halving cycle theory, then what your theory is is that we're going to get a slight dip, and then only after we get the slight dip, which I mean, say slight, it could be up to twenty percent, then we break this trend line. And we actually start going up. And when we go up, we go up to, to all-time highs. That is, um, that is, and I think I had another good piece of, of content here, which said in 2016, so if you, if you still don't believe in the halving cycle, Bitcoin halving in just 200 days. Ever wondered where Bitcoin was 200 days before the previous halvings? Well, in 2016, it was 65% below its all-time high. So you can see in 2016, it was 65% below its all-time high. In 2019, it was 60% below its all-time high. And in 2023, it's 60% below its all-time high. So very hard to dispute this halving cycle theory. And that's why I say you've got to pick your fight here. You've got to pick your battle. If you believe in the halving cycle, then what you probably believe is that we're going down 20% from here. 
And then only we're going we're gonna to go up and we're going to go up to all-time high. And if you are in that school of thought, you probably believe that dominance is going to continue to go up, which it has actually been doing. So if we look at the Bitcoin dominance, 51.97, it's just increasing and increasing and increasing. Look, look at that Look at that, that chart. Let's just get, get rid of the 200-week moving average. But just look at that, that chart. Again, broken, broken structure over here again. So that is if you're a believer in the halving cycle. But then this time we have a different tug of war that's going on. So it's like a battle. One is the halving cycle, which says that we're going to go down and then up. But then we've got the ETF, um, the ETF uh, cycle, so to speak. And the ETF cycle is slightly different. And I, I said something the other day, which I want to show you how, how the impact of it actually worked. So if you look at what I wrote the other day, I said the fake ETF approval could have caused, that was reversed, actually made the market realize that the, ETF, that the ETF approval and the related pump is almost inevitable. And that'll probably happen within 90 days. And so that's why the pump hasn't given everything back. We have sustained some of, of the Bitcoin pump as it relates to, to the ETF. That's why we're standing at 28,383, 20, which is higher than when the fake news actually came out. Now, what we can see is that it is pretty much inevitable, right? So A, that the ETF is inevitable, but, but B, look here. Notice how this recent move triggered by the fake ETF move formed an upside wick below, beyond the lower high resistance. So what happened was you've got a lower high over here and then you've got a green wick, which is actually above that. So the fake news actually broke the market structure and gave us a higher high. So you went up to there and then you've got a, you've got a, a, a higher high over here and you've got a higher low. So the fake news actually plays into my tweet to say that even though it was fake news, it did remind people and actually started to get people to buy, to, to buy Bitcoin. And so now what you have is you have the ETF approval, I would say almost inevitable, imminent. You can see that they're working with all the ETF issuers. They're asking them to, 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 to fill in forms. Fidelity has submitted an updated version of its application. All the other ones have submitted uh, updated versions of their application. And now we have an updated table. We can see that, that all these, all the decisions have actually been postponed and we're moving into, um, we're moving into the era of the ETFs, which need to be approved within the next 84 days. The deadline for the, for the, for the ETFs is the 10th of Jan and the 10th of Jan is just 84 days away. So it's, we're pretty much preparing for the inevitable. And I think that a lot of people are understanding that it's now become inevitable. And what we're seeing now, if you zoom out and you, you go and look inside and you say, what's actually going on? You're starting to see a lot more airtime, a lot more share of the media time, a lot more share of voice, where the big institutions are starting to fight and position themselves for a Bitcoin ETF. We saw this one yesterday, which was uh, Larry Fink. So we saw Larry Fink talking about the Bitcoin ETF. This rally is way beyond the rumor. I think the, the rally today is about a flight to quality with all the, you know, all the issues around the Israeli war now, um, global terrorism. And I think there's more people running into a fight to quality, whether that is in treasuries, gold or crypto, depending on how you think about so it. So we had Larry Fink positioning himself as the Bitcoin guru and saying that crypto is a, is a flight to quality. You have Kathy Wood all the time talking about Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. She's getting a lot more airtime. Uh, 
and we responded. And that's basically all we can say. Uh, I think many people think the fact that the Fed, uh, I mean the Fed, the SEC um, chose to ask questions is a so she's getting she's getting a, a lot more airtime on traditional media channels. And then what we're seeing is we're seeing Fidelity start filing a whole lot of reports around Bitcoin. So they'd look at Bitcoin first, revisited, why investors need to consider Bitcoin separately from other digital assets. Now, I mean, zoom out and just understand what's going on here. You've got the biggest investment houses in the world. You've got BlackRock, you've got Fidelity, you've got ARK, and a whole lot of others, all starting to market the Bitcoin ETF and starting to market the asset class. Believe me, it's no coincidence that that Larry Fink spoke about Bitcoin the other day. Believe me, it's no coincidence that Kathy Wood's getting so much airtime. It's these guys are writing very positive reports around Bitcoin. So generally, look, in this paper, we propose Bitcoin is the best understood as a monetary good. And one of primary investment thesis for Bitcoin is the store of value uh, in an increasingly digital world. Bitcoin is fundamentally different from any other digital asset. No other digital asset is likely to improve upon Bitcoin as a monetary good because Bitcoin is the most secure, decentralized, sound digital money an improvement will potentially face trade-offs. There is not necessarily mutual exclusivity between the success of the Bitcoin network and all other digital networks. Rather, the rest of the digital asset ecosystem can fulfill different needs or solve other problems that Bitcoin simply does not. Other non-Bitcoin projects should be evaluated from a different perspective around Bitcoin. So these guys are preparing themselves for a Bitcoin ETF, and what they want is they want to all be the leader because what they've probably realized is that all the Bitcoin ETFs are going to be approved at exactly the same time. And if they are all going to be approved at exactly the same time, well, then you want to position yourself as the most credible source to buy your ETF. So you've got BlackRock with their big distribution network, Kathy Wood, who's always been a visionary. You've got Fidelity, which is very, very trusted and, and, and a good bridge for investors. And that's what's actually going on now. You can see that that's what's actually going on now. And it's become inevitable. And so now the big question is, what is a more powerful force? 84 days to the ETF and people loading up their wallets or the halving cycle, which takes you down 20% before you go up. Either way, we're going up. Either way, it's a bull market. Just pick your battle. Pick your soldier. Who are you backing? Which horse are you backing? Are you backing the, the halving cycle? Or are you backing the ETF? And based on that, how do you, how do you decide the numbers that, that you're actually going to get to or how Bitcoin's going to get to. So for the purposes of this, and as I say, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the halving cycle. I'm not the biggest fan of the halving cycle. I told you why. Like I think we've got incomplete data and I think that the market conditions are very different every single time. And you can't, you can't say that the market conditions in 2015 are equal to the market conditions in 2019, which are equal to the market conditions in 2023. So for that reason, I'm going to go today and I'm going to work on the thesis of the ETF. I've picked a, 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 a horse. My horse in this race is the ETF race. I'm saying I'm more bullish and I don't think that we're going to go down 20 to 30% before we go up. Regardless, if, I, if we do, I'm just going to hold on to my Bitcoin for a little bit longer. Um, and then, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold it on to my Bitcoin for, for a little bit longer. So now the big question is, if, no, sorry, not if. Let's start again. When? the Bitcoin ETF approval happens sometime before the 10th of January, what price does Bitcoin actually go to? I don't know if you've asked yourself that question. Um, and that's what I want to discuss. That's what I want to discuss now. I want to go, I want to discuss what price we're actually going to. But just before we get there, 
Number one, remember, 1,000 likes and I start giving away tokens to an amazing, amazing, amazing game. That's happening at the end of the show. Number two, I'm going to give away some more money at the end of the show. Number three, if you haven't already subscribed, subscribe to the new channel because the content is going to be on this channel. We're trying to move people over for from the old channel to the new channel. I do see that in our class, there are still some slow people, 97 of them exact to be exact. Um... I mean, maybe can we just remind these people because they actually sit here talking in the old chat. Unbelievable. Anyway, subscribe to the channel. I do see you if you're subscribing. I do see you if you're subscribing. Um, tell me in the comments. Just say, I've subscribed. I've subscribed. I can see that you guys are here. Um, cool. Let's go. So why the subscription stuff? Is it telling me that everybody here has already subscribed? Apparently, that's what's happening. All right. So let's look at what numbers we could actually get to. If we get the ETF, well, not numbers, what numbers we could, what numbers we will get to, because they've actually broken it down mathematically. And this is a document that was written by CryptoQuant, who have analyzed the market. And what they're saying is that the launch of spot ETFs could increase the market cap by $1 trillion. So for those of you who don't know, Let's go to CoinGecko and just quickly look at what the market cap of Bitcoin actually is. Of course, everybody subbed, everybody scabbed. You guys are a bunch of legends. If you want to win the, the, the tokens that I'm giving away at the end of the show, you've got to be subscribed. You've got to be in the chat. Um, so the market cap of Bitcoin now is $553 million. They are saying in their report that we could increase the market cap by $1 trillion with the approval of the spot ETFs. That would triple the market cap, and that gets us to about 75000 uh, per coin. So how do they actually get to their number? How do we know that this is math and this is not just a bunch of, a bunch of nonsense? So what they're saying is that they actually expect $150 billion to flow into Bitcoin. And they've got a thesis for why it's $150 billion. And I'll show you how that thesis actually makes sense. Um, I've just thought of something. Anybody in the chat is, of course, subscribed because only subscribers can comment, right? Is that right, Scarecrows? That is true. So if anyone here in the chat, of course, is a subscriber. Great. So that means when we, we won't have a problem choosing our winners. Um, okay. They show that if 150 billion actually flows in, which is a realistic number, and I'll show you how it's a realistic number, that 150 billion will actually take the market cap up between 450 million and 900 billion. So either the market cap will double or triple when we get the spot ETF. So what, is this, what are these assumptions actually based on? Because I said to you that this show is actually about the maths. It's all about the ETFs. It shows you all the ETFs that are around. And it says, look, we could expect 155 billion will flow into Bitcoin market once the ETFs are approved. The total assets under management for these companies are 15.6 trillion. And if, we, if they put 1% of the AUM into Bitcoin ETFs, the total amount of US dollars that will go into the ETFs will be $155 billion. Great. So you ask yourself, well, if it's $155 billion, then how does the market cap go up from $550 million to $1.5 billion? Well, there's a thing called realized cap. The realized cap is the total amount of money that people spend actually buying coins. So the realized cap says, here, the realized cap was $445 billion, which means that if you look at the cost price of what people paid for per coin, it was $445 billion. But the market cap was $1.2 So what you've got to remember is that when people buy, add 
$50,000 from their wallets into the, into the crypto market and actually start buying Bitcoin, that doesn't drive the market cap up by $50,000. It drives it up by more than the $50,000. And so what you can see is you can see that if you take the actual cost base, like here, if you take the price of all the coins that were actually bought, it was $73 billion, but the market cap was $323 billion. So what they're saying is that if we take $155 billion, which is what they expect to come in, which is 1% of the asset under management that these people have got, and then you extrapolate that and say, if you put in $150 million billion in realized cap, because now they actually have to buy the coins, unlike a futures ETF, then that will take the market cap up by a certain number. And they analyzed the number, and they said that if we calculate the, the market cap and we, we compare it to the different cycles, on the low end, the 155, billion, the 155 billion goes up to 465 billion, which means Bitcoin goes to $56,000 per coin. On the upper end, it goes to 930 billion, which takes it up to 75,000 per coin. So it's just a case of where you want to be. But what we know for sure, well, we know that once the market cap, once the ETF is approved, if we only take a conservative number, which is 1% of all assets under management, and they put those assets under management into Bitcoin, given the difference between realized market cap and actual market cap, and comparing it to the previous cycles where they looked at the difference between annualized cap and, uh, sorry, between realized cap and market cap, they come out with a conclusion that either Bitcoin is going to double or it is going to triple. And we kind of know that that's probably true because when we got the fake news and the market went up, we saw that the market was going well past $30,000. So we can kind of see that their first assumption is probably a very conservative assumption. Their second assumption is probably a more realistic assumption. Okay, so now let's just say, will this actually really, really happen in 84 days? Well, there's two arguments around whether it's going to happen in 84 days or not. The one thing we know is that the market is forward-looking and that the market prices in events of the future and that as soon as the ETF is confirmed, what the market should price in is the fact that 1% of assets are actually going to go in. And it does this before the 1% actually go in. That's, that's why markets are forward-looking. The other school of thought says, well, it's not going to happen immediately, and we're going to actually need to see them put their money where their mouth is before the price of Bitcoin actually goes up. So I guess what happens is a, 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 around market sentiment. And if the market sentiment at the time when the ETF is approved is positive, then the price will go up way quicker. If the market sentiment goes down, then the price will go down, will go up a little, a little bit less. Now let's challenge one more assumption. They made an assumption that all these companies will put 1% of their asset allocations into, into Bitcoin. You can see that over, over here. They say, we expect $155 billion will flow into the market once these ETFs are approved. The total assets under management of the companies are around $15.6 trillion. They might be right. I litmus tested that against Kathy Wood's thesis. Now, she's got a different, she's got a 2030 estimate which is 258,500 in the bear case and 1.48 million in the bull case and the base case about $700,000 per bitcoin. Let's look at what her assumptions are. Look at the little table on that page 
you'll see the building blocks and how conservative they are. Uh, I think now this is from memory and uh, sometimes I get one big ideas uh, and another uh, mixed up, but I think the institutional allocation to Bitcoin in the base case, uh, I know at one point we said two and a half percent, that may have gone down a little, but uh, if we're right, if we're right, that assumption alone, I have been in the markets for a long time and as new asset classes evolve, listen to this. Uh, what institutions do in particular is they tiptoe in. They start with one percent, and uh, so and she then, just said it. They start with one percent, which is the same assumption that 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 crypto quant made. But then she says, "Hold on a second. They uh, and then they migrate to two. Okay, so uh, then she says, "Then they migrate to two. Now, what happens when they migrate to two? Well, then you get 305 billion in. And if you get 305 billion in, the, the number, the market cap actually doubles and triples. So then you're getting a situation where Bitcoin's got a 3 trillion market cap or a 5 trillion market cap. And when, when you do that, then you're talking about 250,000 per Bitcoin, which actually gets us to Kathy's base case number, which is weird. Well, it's not weird because it's actually mathematics. Sorry, you know, you know what's actually very weird is for two days in a row now, CryptoZaras has completely copied our shows. That's very weird. I mean, you tell me. We put up our thumbnail and he's got exactly the same thumbnail, maybe slightly less. At least, at least we could say we're much more optimistic than CryptoZaras. Um, and I doubt that he could break it down as well as we broke it down. Um, all right. So, and I mean, you know, the other thing is we launched Crypto Banter Plus and he launched Crypto Zeras Plus. I mean, you can just keep copying us and keep copying us and keep copying us. We, uh, uh, um, copying is the, the highest form of flattery, the highest form of flattery. Um, so one other thing that they mentioned in this report is they mentioned the GBTC um, discount. And they talk about here, yeah, they say, the potential of fresh money entering Bitcoin through the ETFs would dwarf the amount of money that entered the GBTC fund in the last bull market. And they talk about GBTC. Now, that's a trade that we've spoken to, spoken about for a long time. We always said to you guys, you should be buying GBTC instead of actually buying Bitcoin, right? We said to you that we think that was a smarter trade. And it looks like we were right. Because if you look at the performance of GBTC for, let's say, the last 12 months. So let's take, let's take the beginning of the year. Let's take the beginning of the year over here. Yeah, so we'll go, we'll take the beginning of the year, which is here, and we'll go up to here. GBTC has returned 189%, whereas for the same time period, Bitcoin has returned, let's see, let's quickly just go to Jan over here. Bitcoin's actually returned 75%. So we kept saying to you that what we think would happen is that this discount would actually close, which it, which, which it did. We told you guys many, many, many times that if you want to buy Bitcoin, the better trade is actually to buy GBTC because when this discount closes, as it has just closed, you'll make not only the return on Bitcoin, but you'll actually make the return on the GBTC discount. You remember I said it to you guys here, to look like it was one of the tokens that was very, 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 very hard hit because of this DCG thing. The other trade, the other DCG trade, which, which, which might be interesting now, is the GBTC trade. So look the, at that. The, we told you that the, when the discount was 
the premium is now back at 42.9. And what we're seeing now, here, the discount is, is 13%. There are a whole discount lot of groups are trying to round together a whole lot of shareholders in GBTC to force them to redeem the trust and say, you know, so that was the that was that was the one time that I told you guys. I told you guys also here. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a month ago. The first thing is Bitcoin up $1,500. GBTC up uh, up. Uh, from 1771 to now $19, 13.14%. More importantly, the GBTC discount is now, it was at so, it's, so it has closed and, and, and I think, but I think that if you are in that trade, now is probably a good time to think about taking profits. And I'll tell you why. For those of you who've been in the trade, the discount is closed from negative 43% to negative 13%. And it'll probably go back to like negative 10%. But then the problem is that if the ETFs aren't approved for some reason, that discount goes all the way back down. So I think that if you've come with us for the ride and you've ridden that GBTC discount up from minus 45 or minus 35, and you've gone all the way up to minus 10, I think I agree with a couple of people who've said it's probably a good time to, to actually start taking, taking some profits on that trade. Anyway, next up, I want to talk to you guys about Joe Biden and this war and why we may be in for another world war and just in, before we do it again i'm just reminding you again please subscribe to this channel if you're not already subscribed because w the content is going to be here on this channel <clears throat> you would have doubled your returns on bitcoin if you just bought gbtc which is crazy anyway let's um let's quickly go and look at at why i think that we're in the middle of a world war um, and why this may be the perfect storm. And I think if this perfect storm happens, I think we may actually see the US, um, I'm not going to say collapsed, because I think that collapse is probably a very, very strong word, but I think it could lose its status as a superpower. I think that what the US has done is it's landed up in the perfect, perfect, perfect storm and or the perfect tornado, the perfect hurricane, which can actually um, potentially destroy it. And why I say that is, I'm sure you guys have been following the war and I'm sure you guys saw the horrific um, bombing of the hospital in Gaza. Now, the jury is out on who actually bombed that hospital. And I'm, I'm not going to take sides. I just put a tweet and I asked people to vote. I said, who bombed the hospital in Gaza? Was it an Israeli attack? Was it a failed Hamas rocket? Or was it someone else? Maybe Iran or whatever else. And well, you can now see that you can now see what, what, what the Twitterverse has done, has, has, has voted. Anyway, where are we now? Joe Biden has arrived in Israel and Joe Biden is very much siding with Israel on this for obvious reasons, but he's, he's, he's siding with Israel on this. I'll tell you this. saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. But there's a lot of people out there not sure. So we got a lot. We got to overcome a lot of things. So what's going on here is that the U.S. has sided with Israel, and you've you've no doubt seen that China has taken a side, Russia has taken a side, the U.S. has taken a side, and we're positioned ourselves really dividing the the world's superpowers into two, which is the perfect formula for a for a world for for potentially a world war. Now the U.S. believes that it can handle another war. Janet Yellen, when she was asked the other day, we played this what before, this but I'll play it again. Paul Tudor Jones, the famed investor, was on CNBC this week, and he said, this is the most threatening and challenging geopolitical environment that I've ever seen. At the same time, the US is in its weakest fiscal position since World War II, with debt to GDP at 122%. Can, can America, can the West afford another war at this time? <laughs> 
I, I think the answer is absolutely. Um, America can certainly afford to stand with Israel and to support Israel's military needs. And we also can and must support Ukraine in its struggle against Russia. So you see that she threw in that we must support Israel and its needs and we must support Ukraine and against Russia. Again, positioning themselves against Russia and fighting on multiple fronts. Now, she believes that the U.S. can actually support a war. I don't know how the U.S. supports a war. So this is the U.S.'s debt, $33.5 trillion in debt. As we speak, the Treasury yield rates have gone up to 4.87%, which is, I mean, I'll show you just a weekly chart because it'll show you when the last time that this actually happened was. Let's just quickly uh, auto-fit the data to the screen. But I think that we haven't had these kind of rates since 2006. So why is that important? Because if the rates are going up and the U.S. debt is this high and the U.S. is spending money, not only on Israel, but they spending money in, in that area, they're talking about an initial package to Israel of $10 billion. They're talking about $100 billion of funding for Ukraine over and above what they've been doing. My big question is, how are they going to be able to afford to repay the debt repayments with a high interest rate, which is this high. Okay, now take some other effects of what's going on in the USA. First of all, since the war started, the oil prices have started to go up. So that's the oil prices. You can see the oil prices are back at $90. They were, before the war, they were at $83. And now they're back up at $90. High oil means higher inflation. Simple as that. High oil equals high inflation. Higher inflation equals pile potentially increasing interest rates to stop inflation. But you can only do that if the economy is strong. Problem is that when you look at the economy, you'll see that retail sales actually increased by 1.2% in September. What does that mean? It means that the economy is actually very, very strong. So you've got a very strong economy. You've got an increasing price of oil. You have shipping which is going through the roof. Now, remember, the last time we had shipping going through the roof was in COVID, and that's what dro drove the prices up, right? Because there was a constrained, uh, a constrained amount of shipping. You take shipping plus oil, and you say, hold on a second, this is going to cause inflation. And if you get inflation, inflation is going to cause pile to increase interest rates. And what you can see already is that even though there's probably not going to be an interest rate increase this time, these numbers are starting to increase, in the next meeting, in the next meeting, next meeting, the numbers are starting to increase. Now imagine that we get another interest rate increase, which means that US, the U.S. to fund its debt has to pay higher interest rates. And you do this in a period where they're going into a world war and they need much more spending. You basically got yourself the perfect, perfect, perfect storm for a collapse. It doesn't end there, though, because remember that there's five types of wars that need to be fought. You remember that Ray Dalio said this. So let me play this for you so that you can understand this. Let me know what you think of, 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 of my, my thesis here. There are five kinds of wars, and they start in this order, just sequentially, typically. A trade war, a technology war, a geopolitical influence war. Then you get into a capital and economic warfare, which we are now with sanctions. They always happened in history. And then there's a military war. And so Okay, you so we have... A trade war. Is there a trade war or isn't there a trade war? Well, I don't know if you read this, but Biden cut off China's GPUs. So basically what they, 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 they stopped NVIDIA 
from selling CPUs to China. Okay, what's, why is that? Because they don't want China to beat them when it comes to things like AI and technology. So what they're doing is they're cutting off China's supply of CPUs. And as a result, they're smashing NVIDIA. They're smashing the price of NVIDIA. And so what we're seeing is that we're having this trade war with China, which has been going on for a long time. This is just another example of this trade war in China. You've got, I don't know if you remember, but Putin was actually in China yesterday. He was at a banquet. He was at a dinner in, in China yesterday. Um, then people saw him traveling and he was accompanied by the suitcase. Let me just see if I can get, if he was, he, he had filmed accompanied by officers with the nuclear, the Russian nuclear suitcase. So that's like to, to detonate the Russian nuclear bomb. So you can see that, that, it's becoming a Russia-China versus the United States war. And if we do get into a war, I just don't know how the U.S. is going to fund the war with a debt like this and, and increasing interest rates. So that's what you need to look out for. Uh, Russia and the United Arab Emirates have called for an urgent meeting uh, on the U.N. Security Council over Israel's bombing um, of the Gaza Baptist Church. So you can kind of see that this, that this war is um, really, really escalating. So that's yeah. I wanted to I wanted to to basically show that. Let me know what you think in the chat about my thesis here about how this could be the perfect storm for the U.S. and maybe even wipe the U.S. out as a superpower if we do get into a world war. I don't know if 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 the U.S. comes out as as strong as it was as, as strong as it was before. Uh, okay, so we've got one thousand and eighty likes. When we get to eleven hundred likes, we do the giveaway. Just before that, I just want to. We did see a little hack in Phantom. Phantom's had a really rough time. Um, the hack was primarily on an employee's wallet, or at least that's what, what Andre Kronier says. We are aware of incidents indicating a number of phantom wallets were compromised earlier today. At this juncture, we can confirm the wallets in question were affected, including 550K in, in the Phantom Foundation Fund were stolen. Um, initial reports, blah, blah, blah. And they say this wallet was actually being used by an employee. So it's actually an employee that got hacked, hacked and not actually phantom. Another thing is, um, I want to show you good news, bad news, and fake news for XRP. So the good news is, we have seen that they, you know, they, they may be preparing for an IPO, and they were they were actually advertising for a shareholder communications senior manager in New York, which just reeks of IPO. But then we got news yesterday that they were integrated into Roblox, and Roblox ex expands them as a uh, um, uh, as a payment method. But that was actually fake news. So. Roblox debunks inaccurate XRP support claims, says crypto payments not allowed. Cointelegraph deleted the article again. Again, Cointelegraph deleted another article and BitPay deleted their tweet. So it was actually, it was actually uh, uh, fake news. B bottom line, um, yeah, fake news, fake news, fake news. Um, all right, before we get into the giveaway, so for those of you who have been betting with me, so we, I lost $53 taking those four bets. There, is, there are a few Premier League games which you can bet on BetSwap. Um, Chelsea-Arsenal looks like a good one. What else is there? You can bet. Well, I'm going to do some research today and take a bet before the weekend. Uh, you can also bet on esports. So I don't know if you guys are League of Legends or, or Counter-Strike, CS. Um, if you can, if you want, you can actually go and bet and you can use your crypto. You can just integrate your MetaMask and, and you can use your crypto. Also, if... Um, I don't know who, which ones of you are on my trade travel chill team with Annie. We, we're not doing that great. We're coming 60th, but don't worry. I actually trust Annie. Annie will get us there. Don't worry about that. 
Uh, I do want to give away um, some money. So I want to give away, if you are part of our team, I told you guys that if you are part of our team, I will actually give you, I will actually fund some accounts. So if you are account number 22559842423, you win yourself, um, okay, just remember it's, it's three, uh, row 332, you, you win yourself $250. And the one before that as well, 411-391-3646, you also win yourself $250 if you trade on BitGet. And then lastly, it's time for the giveaway. Now, how this giveaway is going to work is if I select your name, you have to email giveaways at cryptobanter.com. I see we do have the 1,100 likes, giveaways at cryptobanter.com. And then you will get your tokens before tomorrow. I'm going to give away five people. $50 $50 worth of of pre-IDO tokens for this new wrecked tele this wrecked uh, game bot which is a Telegram game. I want to see if I can actually show you something here. So let me just see if I can actually show you something here. Wrecked. I want to see if I can actually call it up on my um I want to see if I can call it up on my Telegram and then I can actually show it to you. Okay, here it is. So uh, let me see if I can actually bring it on that screen so you can actually see it. So what this is, it's a, like, I mean, it's a, it's, it's one of these telegram betting games and, and stuff like that. I, I think it's, a, I mean, they say it's a combination of like a uni bot and, 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 a, and a gambling bot or whatever you want to call it. This launches tomorrow. Now the fully diluted valuation tomorrow is $1 million. I'm going to give away $50 times five to people here in the thing. Now this is a great game. I've, I'm, I'm on it. Um, uh, um, who else is on it? So Arthur Hayes is one of the investors. It's, we've got a great, 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 great bunch of people uh, who've invested in this. This is the, the Twitter account. You can go and follow it. It's, um, it's uh, uh, at, at Rekt. Um, very, very, very exciting. It, it, opens tomorrow, it opens tomorrow. Now, if you want $50 worth of tokens at a 1 million FTV. So if this, thing, if this thing opens up at a 20 million FTV, which I think is pretty easy, pretty chilled, then you're going to get 20 times your money. Okay? That's how it works. All right, so let's go. If you want it, tell me in the chat that you want it, and we're going to go. Very excited to do this. Very excited. Okay, it's uh, that guy. That guy. I like that guy. I, it's, a, it's a code dude. What's that guy's name? It's gone. No, no. You, I mean, you have to find him. Okay, find him. Wow, the chat's moving so quickly. Who wants him? Who wants him? Tell me why you want him. Tell me why you want him. Tell me why you want him. All right, Rupak. Rupak. Can you see Rupak? Whoa, it's moving so fast. Did you see Rupak? Okay, it's okay, dude. You get $50. You got to email giveaways at cryptobanter.com to claim your prize. And you're going to have to, you're going to, have to confirm your identity here. Next one. Josh, pick another cool one. Rupak. I like Rupak. New channel, renewed hope. Choose me for once token, for token giveaways. Rupak Karvandikar. Rupak Karvandikar. If you find him, Rupak, you get $50. Three more $50 to go. Why is my chat stopped here? Three more $50 to go. Three more $50 to go. Josh, you call them up because I think it's just easier. Okay, JD Bruce, $50 worth of tokens. Giveaways at CryptoBanter.com. Go, 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 go. All right, choose me. Now I'm wrecked. Stefan Berg. I'm so excited for this wrecked launch tomorrow. And last one, last one, Josh. Come on, last one, last one. JMK. Share the wrecked love. I just shared. I just shared the re- the wrecked love uh, thing. All right, listen. I will see you guys again in a few minutes on Twitter Spaces, um, and or I'll see you guys again tomorrow. And I think we'll we'll let George know what we're doing on our show tomorrow, so he can copy us um, 
You can copy us again. He copied us, he copied us last night also. Remember, we ran the 83 days or whatever yesterday. And the 85 days. And I remember I told you I did that whole thing yesterday. There, there, here he is. Straight after us, he did his 85-day countdown to Bitcoin. Doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, you get the news here first and you can get the news there second. See you guys again tomorrow. Until then, see <laughs> and you guys are a bunch of clowns. See you again tomorrow. Until then, trade well, my friends.